This is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and this is episode number 53 of our podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation with Matt Davis. Matt is a former college quarterback. He started at Texas A&M, transferred to Tyler Junior College, and then ended up finishing his time at, at SMU here in Dallas, Texas. He's a solid man of faith. I cannot wait for you to hear his story, but before we get to that, let me remind you of our organizational mission statement because we're going to talk about that in today's episode with Matt. It's All In Sports Outreach exists to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and promote unity and racial reconciliation. So without further delay, let's get right into the conversation with Matt. Well, thanks for joining me today, Matt. Thank you so much for having me, Stu. It's a blessing. You bet. So let's just start um, with a little bit about your background. I know a lot of listeners may not be familiar with, with who you are. So, you know, tell us a little bit about growing up in the Houston area, a little bit about your family. Yeah, so just grew up in Houston, uh, Houston area, like you said. Um, I went to Clown Forest High School um, out here on the northwest side of Houston. Um, man, I have uh, two, three great parents, really. Uh, my mom, my dad, my stepmom. I'm, I was blessed to have, um, I'm blessed to have a great relationship with my stepmother. Um, I have three sisters and two brothers um, through the, uh, through my blended family, uh, which has re- really, really just blessed me. We're all close. Um, you know, they, they really raised me to be uh, the man I am today, and I am the baby. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's not bad either. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, we'll start right off the big gate here and talk about faith for a moment. Then we'll get back to, to talking some sports. But you know, did you Absolutely. did you grow up in a family of faith? And then at what point did you go, you know what, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. At what point did you realize that it was a, your relationship with Jesus? It wasn't anything you could do to earn it or, or trust in your parents' faith or grandparents' faith? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so definitely grew up um, in a faith-filled house. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, uh, my mom is Catholic, and my, my mom's side of family is Catholic. Um, my dad is, um, he was a P, he, he, he's a PK and was a, uh, dad was a uh, preacher at Church of God in Christ. My papa was, uh, and so, uh, my dad, I'm not a nomination. And so, um, just really my dad has been, um, both my parents are faithful, but my dad has really been, um, just a huge example and just showing me what it means to be a man of God, a man of faith. Um, I said yes to God and um, accepted Lord Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ is my heart as my Lord and Savior around, I don't know, maybe eight, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that that's what I wanted to do. And um, from there on to as, as I was older, when I really started, I want to say maybe when I was like uh, 12, 13, or 14, I really started exploring um, my relationship with God and the depths of it. Um, I was very, very fortunate to have um an amazing youth ministry that I attended uh, at my at my initial church home uh, when I was young, and that church, that youth church, um, along with that youth pastor, really just planted the seed of faith into mm-hmm. my heart. And mm-hmm. from there on, um, it just really grew into my own personal um, relationship with God. I remember hearing a long time ago, you know, you know in, in heaven, it's, it's, it's no grandkids. You know, it's 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 only sons and daughters, wow. and I realized that at at that moment I needed to have um, a personal relationship um, with God. And as I, as that grew, um, my life changed uh, 
each and every day. That's awesome. And we'll talk a little bit about faith again later on, but now I want to shift it back to um, sports. So I mentioned in the intro that you played football um, all the way up through the, through, through, <laughs> through the college ranks. And so at what age did you start playing football? And, you know, were you a multi-sport athlete or was, or was football your, your sport? Oh, yeah. I, I, I played all, all sports since I was young. So the first sport I ever played was soccer when I was like three. And my dad put me in there just to, you know, get my, my foot and foot coordination and, you know, mm-hmm. athleticism and see all that. But my dad is, I, I really, I say this, that I was really, um, I was really bred to like be an athlete. And mm. I say that from, um, and I don't necessarily mean like before conception, but as I was born, I mean, as I was raised, like my dad used to take me to the park when I was four years old. And, mm. uh, and, you know, or he used to make me do push-ups when I was a kid. And when I was four years old, my dad would be like, oh, let's go to the park. But before we played, do 10 push-ups and five dips mm. or something like that. And it was it was always this, oh, hey, we're going to go to Rice, um, Rice University, and we're going to go to the football field. Okay, cool, but we're running the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a kid, it was just this consistent um, work ethic that was being driven into my into my mind and into this and into the character of me to where and I realize now just as an adult that it wasn't only for my athletic career but just as a man my dad would show me how to work how to be mentally tough how um, to never let a circumstance break me Mm. so it was many many it was many many times that when I was young that my dad would push me to my limits and then and then stress those limits and extend them and my dad is one of the most loving, he, he is the most loving father in the world. Mm. And my dad knew how to make me push myself. Yeah. And so he would make me, like, he would run and I'll be on the bleachers and then I'll be wanting to cry and tell my dad, like, hey, I can't, I can't do no more. He's like, you done? I said, yeah. He's like, and he said, did you, you know, did you feel it? I said, yeah. He's like, all right, we'll run two more. Wow. Just to show me, just to show me, like, you think, like, your mind, you know what I'm saying? Like, he said, your, your body will break before your mind does. And mm-hmm. you have to make sure that you don't allow your, you don't have to make sure that you don't let your mind feed into that. So that was the foundation of who I was. And for all the adversity I'll face later on in life, um, that is what I fell back on, is understanding that um, my mind, my body can break, but my, my mind can never break. I can never let that break. And so um, that was big. And so as I get older, I, I played all types of sports. I played AAU basketball, I played baseball. Play football. I ran track um, in seventh and eighth grade, six, seven, eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. We, uh, my basketball team, we were eighth in the country. My AAU team, we were eighth in the country twice. Um, in, tra- in high school, my junior year, we were fourth in the nation in the four by one and fifth in the nation in the four by two. Um, but football, football was it. I was, I was, I, I was created to be a football player. Yeah. As, an, as far as athleticism, I was made to be it. I was trained to be one. Um, my brothers made sure I was the best. My but my middle my, my my middle brother is six years older than me and I was out there playing with them. Oh, okay. He was making sure that I was the first person picked up and I I I got no slack. <laughs> by the time I got by the time I got to be of age, it kids would that I was so 
much further ahead because of what my brothers and my dad had did that it was it was uh it was too late for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and you play quarterback, all, you know, in, in in high school, and and that's a big deal, um, especially. Um, in the great state of Texas where high school football is is huge. I mean, it's bigger than college football in some states. So talk about the pressures. Um, you already talked about your dad, you know, and your brothers helping shape you, not just physically, but the mental toughness of it. So I can um, only imagine that that's played into your success of handling the pressures of, of quarterback. So talk about uh, what it's like to play quarterback um, for high school football here in Texas. Oh, I, I don't think um, it's a job, especially when you go to a school that has um, a history of being good. Yeah, it's a it's a job, and and I'm 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 I was blessed that my school wasn't in Allen or Lake Travis, or <laughs> South Lake, yeah, or South Lake Carroll or Katy. My my school was good. Like my brothers, when my brothers went to school, they went to the third or fourth round every year. But we didn't have that pedigree of national champ- of state championship, state championship. But it's still, it's still, it, it, it's, it's a burden. I mean, make no mistake about that. But it, it's a burden to play Texas high school football and to be, I guess you could quote unquote say the guy or the or the captain. It, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. But I, you know, I heard a quote by Peyton Manning a long time ago. He said, "Pressure is only felt when you know what you're doing." Mm. And so, and so, I did my best to make sure that um, to be ready for all situations. I try. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I try to explain this to people that are, that don't live in, in Texas that, you know, it, it is, it's year round. It's a big deal. And there is a lot of pressure and you can be replaced quickly if you're not successful. And and you mentioned Allen and South Lake and, Lake Travis and all the other schools. I mean, it's a, it is a a, a pretty different atmosphere. So um, thank it's you. It's almost a religion. That, that's true. And, 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 and people don't understand that they come from outside of the States. Um, like my previous coach is coaching Arkansas. And so my girlfriend and I took a trip out there to Arkansas to go visit our coaches. And we're driving by, you know, all through all these small towns and we're looking at just stadiums. And we're looking at some of the biggest schools in these cities, mm-hmm. and their stadiums are like my middle school. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... And, and you think about it that you have stadiums that are fifty, sixty million dollars, like Allen, because it's 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 serious here. People, like, Texas, Texans don't play about football. That's right. That's not a. Yeah, it's, it's that is serious. You can take away a lot of things, but you're not taking away football. That's right. No, you're right, and it's and it's honestly, and this is the same for most places, but. It is truly what I love about it. Um, Friday nights is it is a place that you can find people getting along. You know, people put aside yeah. differences um, to cheer on a team and fill a stadium. I mean, I, I don't have the exact numbers in in front of me, but I saw, and, and this happens every year, where the attendance at the the state championship games are greater than a lot of the college bowl games. Um, oh yeah, I think they said it was fifty-five or fifty-six thousand. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I went to one a number of years ago, um, Allen, and um, 
against South Lake at AT&T Stadium when, when AT&T Stadium first opened as a, like a 9 o'clock kickoff, so it was after midnight when the game was over. But I've never experienced a high school football game with, with over 40,000 people. Um, and I've been to college games with less than that, and it's just it is crazy. So, yeah. yeah. So with that, uh, with your success in, in high school, you were got a lot of recruiting. And so I want to ask you to talk about that recruiting process for a moment, because you, you originally a commit, committed to Auburn and then flipped, uh-huh. flipped to Texas A&M. So, you know, we have a lot of listeners in the state of Alabama. We have, you know, quite a few Auburn fans that listen. So, you know, one, just, okay, War Eagle. Yeah, there you go, War Eagle. So what, what originally drew you to Auburn, especially being from the Houston area when there is a ton of, of, of schools here in Texas? And then, you know, why did you choose to then st- – stay closer to home and, and attend Texas mm-hmm. A&M? So originally um, I, I was fortunate that I, um, I received 95% of my scholarships offers my sophomore year. Wow. And so, and so I, yeah, I was, I was super blessed with that. that so I received um, majority of them my sophomore year and the same thing as a blessing is the same thing that um was i guess my biggest temptation because of that i i I became super arrogant Mm. and i just because i was a 15 year old kid with 47 scholarship offers at 15 and and you have you know like my first offer is from alabama and so it was alabama and then a&M and Baylor and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and LSU. And it's like once they just came, they just started rolling. And so I was this kid that thought I was untouchable because, I mean, how many – at least – especially, like, you don't hear many sophomores or 15 you know, because now kids are getting offered, you know, in daycare. But, yeah. you know, when I was in school, I just didn't – you didn't see it as often. Right. And so because of that, it was just – I mean, it was – I thought I was the – you know, the, the greatest thing since ice cream. Mm. And, uh, but I, I remember I was getting all this, you know, I would have random schools, you know, calling my phone as a sophomore. And my dad was like, okay, well, hey, we need to start visiting some schools. And this had to be after my, this was after the football season. So in the spring, the first school that I visited was TCU and A&M. I visited those schools because I went to the Elite Eleven. And so with that, that went by. And then my dad was like, hey, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go. I visited Texas Tech, and then I went to my high school coaches. But my dad was like, hey, um, let's take an SEC tour. You know, you got offered by Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. So let's just go. I'm going to take off work for a week, and we'll, we'll go. I said, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with that. And I was really interest, interested in Alabama, of course. I was really interested in and LSU, Auburn was kind of the school that I was like, ah, we can just go because we're going to be in Alabama. You know, because Auburn, that was, it was coming off of the 2009 season. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they were that great. Mm-hmm. They weren't, you know, they weren't that great. And so I said, okay, let's go. And we actually went to, the first school we went to was Alabama. And I went there. And the first person I, I meet is Julio Jones. And so I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, this is. And then I see Trey Richardson and Mark Ingram mm. working out. And so that was just a different 
it was like my eyes. I realized that I was like, "Whoa, I'm I'm really here." So I met with coach and and things like that, and I I didn't really like it. I had some just reservations from myself that more so came from my arrogance as a kid, mm. and I felt like I should have been. At that time, I felt like I had should have been treated better. Uh huh. But the thing is that when you realize is that when you're Alabama, there's a you everywhere. You know, I, we can get whoever we want. And so that was just my take as a 15-year-old kid, which is a, me as a stupid 15-year-old. But right. I remember I told my dad, I was like, hey, man, I don't know if I really like this. I'm, like, you know, let's go to Auburn. And uh, and so, you know, we left and we went to Auburn. And from the moment I got there, it was this instant connection with um, Coach Chizik, who I love Coach Chizik. I love Coach Malzahn to this day. Coach Trooper Taylor, Curtis Looper, Coach Grimes, all these guys were the guys that were on campus. And I remember meeting there. I met with Coach Chisholm's wife. I met with Coach Malzahn's wife. And it was just this genuine and authentic relationship that was cultivated over that time. Mm. And so I was there for, I want to say, maybe two days. And from that, so that's in the summertime. And I remember Coach Malzahn walking to student facilities. We go to the dorms, we go here, we go here, we go around. And I mean, we're getting, we're about to go to the locker room. And we're walking down. And all of a sudden, I see this big dude come out of the locker room and comes to me with this great smile, huge, and says, man, you must be Matt. What's up, bro? And he gives me a hug. He's like, my name's Cam. Wow. And it was Cam Newton. It was Cam Newton. And of course, I didn't know who Cam was at the time because he came from Juco. He didn't have, you know, he he wasn't Cam yet. Right, right. And I remember he just had these huge hands, and I was like 5'10 at the time. And he, like, gave me, like, a little noogie on my head. And I was like, man, shook, shook my dad's hand. And he was going out to go throw with his little brother. So he's going out to the practice field. And I remember him, he, he walked out after he gave me a hug and we went in the locker room and Coach Malzahn looked at me and said, um, that's going to be your 2010 Heisman Trophy winner. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, Coach. Yeah. Okay. And he went on to do exactly what he said. And I had an amazing sit-down meeting with, with them. And um, so I remember leaving there and I, I really loved it. So time goes by. And my junior year, um, I'm about to shut down my recruitment. I said, okay, I'm done. We took our visits. I visited eight schools. I don't want to – I don't need to go anymore. Mm-hmm. I need to coach the season coming up. I got a big season coming. And then Texas calls. And so I'm like, oh, this is the University of Texas. Like, I, I, can't, I can't not go. And so I went back on my word, and I went and visited Texas the week before – the weekend before we went into two days, mm. and we went. Mel Mac Brown, that was when Greg Davis was there. Major Applewhite was there. All these guys met with them. It was great, cool. And came back. I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not taking any visits. Season. This is strictly football time. I go through see. I go through two days. The very first game of the season, my junior year, second quarter, I tear my ACL. Oof. And my world changed and I remember the very next day uh, 
I toured on August 25th. So you back then, you, you couldn't get letters until September 1st of your junior year. So on September 1st, I had a, a letter from Coach Chizzy, from Mag Brown, and from uh, some other coaches, like handwritten letters and talking about something. And I just remember reading the, the letter from Coach Chizzy and Coach Malzahn and Coach Looper. And he talked to uh, Coach Looper, wrote about how um, – it's not. It's never easy getting to the top of the mountain, but you always get the best view when you're up there. Wow! And so, I said, okay. And just how they that they never shied away from. It. There was a few schools that pulled their offers and acted like they never knew me when I told them they had a first game of the season. And but co- the Auburn coaches, they did nothing but press forth, and they and they just made this relationship. It made I realized that they cared about me, and so they go on to win the national championship, and they have a junior day and a national championship ceremony. So we went up there for it, and I had already knew a couple of the players and just started building even better relationships. And that's what I told. I remember I told my dad when he came back. I said, uh, uh, "I want to go to Auburn." I remember just coming down on a, on a random Saturday morning. Said, Dad, I want to go to Auburn. He just looked at me. He said, like, son, you got a whole lot of more schools to visit, though. I said, I know, but I want to go to Auburn. He said, okay. Well, that's what you want to do, then. He said, that's what I tell you. Pray about it Pray about it for a week or pray about it for two weeks, and you still have that same feeling two weeks from two weeks from today. We'll drive, we'll drive, me, you, and your mom, we'll drive up to Auburn, and, you, and we can do that. I said, okay. So every night I started praying about it. Every night I started praying about it. And as I started praying about it, you know, how ironic that the allegations of the sanctions and the um, the stuff that might happen with where they they thought Cam Newton's dad allegedly took money and that Auburn could be facing penalties. And all this stuff started coming out. And I'm like, oh, Okay, well now I need to I need to I need to move back a little bit mm-hmm. because I don't know how what's you know I don't know what's gonna go what's gonna happen now. Then they started having rumors of you know that maybe Coach Chizik could get let go of, and then I'm thinking like, whoa, I don't know. Coach Chizik be one of the reasons why I'm going there. You know, so it it was all these things that started making reservations come into my mind, um, and and I'll be the first one to tell you I hated a and first. I never want to go to AM. Hmm. When AM when AM offered me, and that just just it's just so crazy how God works and how your desires as you mature change. Mm-hmm. And how re- renewing when you renew your mind and when God changes your heart, how the things that you really want come to life and you realize they've been in your face the entire time. And I remember my dad told me I when AM offered me, my dad tried to give me a give me a letter that they sent me. I said, Man, you can throw that away. I'm never going to AM. I tell my dad I'm never going to end. Hmm. That little fit, arrogant little fifteen year old. I tell him I'm not. I'm not going there. Come on, dad. He said, "All right." So he said, "Watch, you're going to end up going there." He started laughing, and I was like, "I'm not going there." Now. And I did. I was just sitting there, and then eventually, when I as I started praying, and I'm just started becoming more and more on my mind. It started coming more and more, and so we went and visited. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm liking this a lot more, you know, and I, I don't know why. 
And then I started thinking about what I really want to do. And when I meant what I really want to do as far as like a, how, how important was playing in front of my parents, mm. in front of my family. Because, you know, my family doesn't have the money to fly to every game. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they don't have the money to probably drive to um, Alabama every game. And, you know, to go to Alabama to go to Auburn, you got to fly to Atlanta. Or one of those, because they don't have a, well, they don't, when I was there, they didn't have an airport that you could just fly directly into. Right. And so it was all these things. And I'm like, okay. And I, t- and I said, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be close and not come home than be far and want to. Mm, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I just, just my priorities started shifting and changing. And then I really sat down with Coach Sherman and, uh, man, and, and just fell in love just, just with the type of man he was. You know, he mm-hmm. wasn't the flashy guy. He wasn't the super charismatic guy. But, right. But what he was, was what he was was real. Mm. And what I realized that in, this, in recruiting and with, I was, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have met, met a lot of big-time coaches. And being real isn't prevalent. Yeah. So um, that's what drew me to them, and I prayed about that, and God said yes. And so I said yes. <laughs> and uh, I committed to them, and I stayed with them in Clemson. And Coach Morris, they tried to come in late, but I told them, hey, you know, Coach, I'm committed here. But, I, man, I loved Coach Morris. I stayed on the phone with Coach Morris for like two hours. Um, and uh, that's just how that happened. And eventually, you know, Coach Sherman got fired, which is another crazy story. But I decided to stay, and he wanted me to stay. And that was my journey to A&M. Wow. Then you redshirted your first year, right? I did. I yeah. did redshirt. And then that's really, you know, it's kind of interesting. You, you talk about your journey to A&M, but that's really not the end of it. That's really just the beginning because then you, yeah. then you end up transferring to Tyler Junior College. And, you know, and then ultimately, as I mentioned in the intro, you end up at, at SMU. So talk about, you know, you land at A&M and then you sit out a year with the redshirt year and then you end up at Tyler junior college talk about that a little bit um the transition from of why i left a&m to tyler or just being at tyler well no i mean going from a&m to tyler i mean that's another big decision oh, that was yeah that was that, that was tough and it was um that was the first decision i had to make um as a man and 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 that was still to the day one of the hardest decisions because I, the school that I hated at first, it grew to be my love. And it was, I loved the school. I was comfortable there. I had, um, you know, I lived in a house with two of my teammates. I had all my friends there. You know, I, it, it, there were so many things in relationships that I built, built. And to leave was, you know, it was, it was hard. And, um, I remember sitting on my bed and I was just crying for hours mm. because I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, and so I ended up going to Tyler 
But you have to think about the transition is that I left as I left at the end of two days. So I don't know what the exact date was, but mm-hmm. I know school started on Monday. Like school started the next Monday. And I decided I was going to transfer on a Wednesday. Signed my letter of intent on a Thursday. Left A&M Thursday night, went to Tyler Friday morning, and played in the first scrimmage at Tyler on Saturday morning. Wow. So it was like a, a blur. It was just went. And everything just went, 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 went. And I started school the next Monday. And, you know, to have all of those things just go so fast, I remember sitting at, um, I don't know if it was Cheddar's or some restaurant like that when we got to Tyler after um, on Friday evening. And I just remember my dad, my dad, I was just staring off in his face. And my dad looked at me and said, what you thinking about? And I just looked at him and said, I don't even know where I am. Hmm. Because it was so many, it was, there were so many transitions and it was so much, so fast. And I didn't even know, like, I, I had to really sit down and process. And I never gave myself a chance to do that. And I cried, man, um, almost every night at my junior college. Wow. I, I didn't I didn't necessarily cry every night, but it was the a lot of nights. And yeah. it, was, it was so hard for me simply because, like, don't, don't get me wrong, like, I met my best friend and, and the future best man at my wedding. At there, and there were so many good things and so many things that was birthed out of that. But it was hard because when you step out on a ledge to trust God, and it doesn't always look like it's working. Every night you wonder if you if you made the wrong decision, and for something that huge that was that that could potentially dictate my career and the trajectory of my life, every night I sat there and I, and I was faced with the with the question of did I make the wrong decision? Mm. And it haunted me. And because of that, I would be afraid if something didn't go exactly how I thought it should go or how I planned it in my mind, it would be that you, I knew I shouldn't have left. Mm. I knew I shouldn't have left. Like I could be an A&M and everything could be good. Like now I'm, 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 I'm living in, you know, I'm living in this all brick dorm with bathrooms that have mold on it. And I can't even get my clothes washed because of this. And I can't even do this. And, I, and, and, and it, well, when I was at A&M, at least I, at least we, you know, we got a monthly stipend here. We don't get anything. But at least when I, it was all these things that just, it, it like bundled me up and it just got to the point of frustration and of tears and just all of these hurt and sad and confused and angry mad at myself, mad at others, mad at my coaches, all these emotions that it was just hard to contain. Hmm. Wow. So you mentioned you're only in Tyler for nine months. So the first time we talked on the phone, you, you talked a lot about the process of going, ending up at SMU from, from Tyler Junior College and how you know, guy worked in wow. you, in you during that process. So, you know, share share about um, ending up at SMU and you know and how God worked in, in, in you personally through that process. Yeah. Um, so, the end up at SMU was was strictly um, the, the the way I left TJC. The way I got to TJC is the same way I left, and that was just 
I don't want to say on a whim because it was it was spirit led, but it was very very quick. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had been, you know, I broke my foot, so I only really played three games during the season. But um, I did well in the games that I played in, and then in the spring spring springs time, you know, we had spring ball, and there's a lot of coaches coming through. A lot of coaches looking at me, but, um, you know, for, you know, different reasons, they had a misunderstanding of when I could leave. And, you know, basically, it came to the point to where I didn't necessarily feel comfortable with the the people that were handling my recruiting as far as my coaches. And um, I remember calling SMU, and... They were like, we'll take you right now. And we went and visited. And my dad, when my dad and I, we drove there, went and visited. And I, they wanted me to come. So I came back. I prayed. God gave me confirmation that that's, that's where he wanted me to be. Which, and it was, it was, it's so crazy just how things, you know, just, just wind up. Simply just like, it's like if you think about an exodus and Moses was in the wilderness and he was tending sheep and then he ended up leading the Israelites to the same place that he was tending his flock in. It's like you think about that. Like we practiced at SMU when I was at A and M for our Cotton Bowl, and so I was in that locker room. I was in that those facilities that I would later come back to two years later, and it was so amazing to me how things can come full circle, and how humility, and how all these things play into just your, your purpose and your plan that I was walking through here. And I remember walking through there when we were at A&M and I was just like, you know, hey, man, like, I am small. Like, man, like, this isn't, this isn't like how we look at how ours look. Or, and then that ended up being my own for three and a half years. That molded me and made me to the man that um, I'll eventually, that, that, that eventually become. And so that was my process on how I went left TJC to go to SMU. Yeah, and then you know, and then the the trouble or the the struggles, if you will, don't don't end there. You get to SMU, and then another major knee injury. Um, so talk about, you know, you you yeah. get to SMU after a couple stops, and man, I have arrived, and then another major injury. Talk about how that impacted you, but also how uh, the role that your faith played um, in your life dealing with with yet another setback. Yeah. Um, so I get to SMU and my first year there, um, we are really bad as a team. Our coach Jones got my first year, the coach that I committed to, he got fired after two games. And so, um, you know, coach Morris eventually comes in, which is great. And then, you know, we, we did don't have a good season, but I played pretty good. So this, my senior season is coming up and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is the year. This is when I'm going to really just, you know, it's the second year in the system, all these things like that. And in the first game of the season, just like in high school, I came my ACL again. And, but it's the other one. And it was almost in like the same spot, same date. Like it was real, real freakish. And um, so I came my ACL. And it was, I remember when I tore it, I knew exactly what it was when I did it. And it's crazy because, uh, I'm not even going to get too much into it. Right. I knew I was going to tear it before I tore it. Hmm. And um, 
Um, and I, 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 I'm not, in, I've never been an anxiety type person, but in high school, my junior year, months before I saw my CEO, I, I had nightmares of getting hurt and I would sit there and pray. Like I would wake up grabbing my knee and I'd never had an injury like that before in high school. In college, I had the same, I was having the same nightmares and it happened again. Um, and I tore my ACL. And so I remember when I tore it, I took off my helmet on the field and just threw it to the side. And I was just screaming, no, 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 not again. Hmm. Not again, not again, not again. And I remember I was praying, I was saying, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And the doctors ran out on the field and they're like, man, you got to stay still. We got to check. And I said, just move. I know what it is. Hmm. I, I know what it is. And they're like, we well, still have to check it. I said, I'm telling y'all. I know what I did. Just just help me up. And so they're like, well, just let us look. And so they did look something, and I got up and went to the sideline and eventually went to the locker room. And it was – that was my moment um, that hurt me the most. And it hurt me in my faith um, the most. And it hurt me in my, in my spirit and in my heart simply because um, I remember sitting in the locker room and it was just me, my dad, and uh, my old strength coach, who's like a mentor to me. And I remember sitting there, and I was just looking at my dad. And my dad's looking at me like he's, he's, he's on his knees. And uh, I'm sitting in the locker, he's on his knees in front of me. And I remember looking at him, and I said, uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Mm. I said, you know, I'm not a bad kid. I said, and I told him, I said, I'm not a bad kid, Dad. I said, I leave Bible studies. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love God. Why does he keep doing this to me? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why does he keep doing this to me? And I just broke down and started crying. And I said, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I said, Dad, I try, to, I try to live right. And my dad just... He just held me as I cried, and he told me, he said, look, he said, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know why. He said, but one thing I do know is that we're going to get through this, and we're gonna, he said, we're going to serve God mm. anyway. That's and, a good word right there. That's a good reminder for anybody that, you know, yeah. we're quick yeah. to give God praise and, and and honor and glory when when things are good, both athletically yes. or or in life. But to be able to do that at all times is it's, yes. it's not easy. I mean, it's easy. that's the church answers to say, "Hey, we're going we're going to praise God," but uh, it's not it's not that simple. And the and 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 the beauty in that was, as I say, that that was a big moment for me because that was my Job moment. Hmm. That was my moment to say. And, and, and who am I going to be? What is my response going to be? Am, 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 am I going to praise God anyhow? Am I going to love God anyhow? Or am I, am I going to become spiteful and turn my back and go somewhere else? And I told God, I said, I, I don't know why and I don't understand it. And I think the, the best thing for me is to not try. But I'm going to I'm going to serve you. And it's crazy because Sunday, uh, I went to church. Cause we did, we, we, I tore it on Friday. 
they got, I got the results on Saturday. Sunday I was at church, and um, and I don't know if you know, and and this is what this is what I know knew that I was committed to it for me, and I'm proud of my younger self now. But I don't know if you've ever been to. I, I went. I used to go to the Potter's house, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you know how. And so the Potter's house has this huge walkover. Mm, so you yeah, park absolutely. On one side of the parking lot, and you have to walk all the way over. And I limped with no crutches because I was way too prideful to get on crutches because I didn't want everybody asking what happened. I limped across that whole walkway to sit up in the uh, to sit uh, in the church, and I sat at the very top in the corner so I could stretch my leg out so I wouldn't have to bend my knee. And I remember just sitting there, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, what are you doing up here?" You know, you walked up three flights of stairs. But the only thing is that, my, is that I just knew that I just needed to be, I needed to be in the Word. I needed to make sure that I was there. And, you know, that's what happened. That's that's good. That's good. So let's talk about uh, life after football. Uh, what are you doing now? I mean, I know when we talked, you mentioned you're involved in your uh, student ministry at your local church. But what else are you doing now? Yes. So... Um, as far as occupation, I've done some contract work uh, for a media group called Fan React from the other 98. And so we did things, it was almost like journalist work. So mm-hmm. where I, I wrote articles, I kind of hosted some podcasts, some shows, I conducted some interviews, and, we're, and we've been catered towards an A&M audience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our viewerships come from A&M. And so, um, you know, just my access to my former teammates and stuff like that. I got them up there and we interview them. You know, we just conduct and just give like post-game analysis, pre-game, you know, pre-game thoughts, things like that, of that nature. That's kind of what we did in that space. Also, outside of that, um, I have a nonprofit organization that I've been working on um, for a while, which is a Christian mentorship program for young men um, that's really uh, that are at risk. Um, and just from my school and from um, kind of places like that. Of course, we try to mentor everybody, but I just feel like there's a, there's a lack of male presence in a lot of places that I grew up in. And so trying to help young men become men by putting Christian men around them, um, I feel like it's one of the um, best ways to get that done. And um, so we do that. And, um, and then also um, two of my best friends and I, um, we've actually, you know, God gave us a vision to start a, a podcast ourselves. And so, we're going to be launching that later on this month. Um, and so that's, and then as far as uh, in ministry, um, I'm one of the youth uh, teachers and one of the youth leaders at, at, my, at my church, Lighthouse Church. Uh, and we, um, it's a great ministry and we got a great leader. And our pastor, Pastor Keon Henderson. So that's awesome. That's kind of what I'm up to right now. That's a lot. You still, you know, get your hand in sports, but. I love what you said about um, your nonprofit, just building into young men, because I think um, yeah. that's, that's definitely a huge need um, in all in all communities. Um, so yes, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome to um, to to see somebody you know giving back to to build up young men, because I mean the future of our country, you know, the future of our culture lies on. On the next generations, that's that's awesome. So I mentioned um, in my in, in the intro to this that about the mission statement of our organization, but 
um, I'll, I'll share it again, that All In Sports Outreach exists to share the hope and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also promote unity and racial reconciliation. Basically, you know, we believe that sports is a great way to um, bring people together. It is a way, a platform to share the gospel, but more than anything, you kind of, you know, we talked about on the, at, at the high school stadium level, but just all across our communities, it's it's the one time that we can put put aside any differences and, and come together. So, and it's no secret, um, you can turn on about any TV station, radio station, look on a, a number of different websites. You don't have to look far to, to be reminded that we live in a very divided culture right now. So, um, yes, sir. do you have an example um, from your sports career um, of how you've seen um, that divide bridged through sports? Oh, 100 percent. Um, you know, Coach Morris always said that, and Coach Chad Morris, the coach of Arkansas, he was our coach at SMU. He yeah. said, you know, football is the greatest, the greatest sport in the world simply because regardless of race, religion, background, socioeconomic status, nothing matters when you snap the ball. Mm. And he said, you know, it's great because you can see a Christian getting along with the Muslim, getting along with the Seventh-day Adventist, getting along with the Catholic in the locker room because they all have one common purpose. Um, and uh, you see same with black, white, and Hispanic, Asian. Um, that is the same. It's, it's, it's the same case. And, and sports, um, sports do that. They mm. give you the opportunity, like you say, to bridge that gap. And, and I've seen it time and time again to see people, especially when I've gotten into – um, went to a and That was a big thing for me because um, my school. So I'm 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 biracial. I'm mixed. So my mom is white. My dad's black. Um, my stepmother's Hispanic. Um, but my school was very was majority minority. And um, we. So when I went to a And M, which is a predominantly white school, it was different for me. But I got on the team, and we had guys that were cowboys. We had guys who were came from low income. We had guys, and it was all these things. But you saw, no matter what it was, everybody sat down and ate together. Everybody laughed. Mm-hmm. Everybody joked. Everybody loved each other. And then I sat back and realized, and I had a conversation with one of my coworkers. And like you said, just this racial divide and this tension that's in the country is that all a lot of this stuff comes from lack of exposure. Because we, we don't get to see other people. And so we have to make assumptions on what we feel like they're like. And when we make assumptions on what we feel like they're like, we only listen to what the media or what social media or what common narrative is. And so you get around people and you're afraid of them or you don't like them or you judge them simply because of what somebody told you about that type of person, what they think. And so now we're looking through the lens of discrimination of hatred, of prejudice, and then you get around to people, and it's like, it, 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 I wish I had a dialogue for every time somebody says, man, I didn't know so-and-so was like that. And it's like, well, why didn't you think that? Why didn't you think that? What, what led you to believe that somebody would be different than what they were? Mm. Well, because we come into these situations with these preconceived notions on what we feel like somebody's like because of their race, their background, the school they came from, or their name, or their religion. And so it just causes people to 
It does. And, and, and like I said, is that football is a sport that causes everybody to work together. And so then you get to look past that, oh, man, so maybe not all white people are like that. Mm. Or maybe not all black people, maybe not all black people are like that. Mm-hmm. Because now, and then you realize that, hey, well, I can, I can be a Republican or I can be a Democrat and you can be something opposite and we can still get along. That doesn't mean I have to be against you. I just think I have a different view on how I think something should be ran. Or oh, yeah, you can you can be a Buddhist, and I can be a Christian, and that has, should have no hindrance on how I feel or how, whether I love you or not. None it has nothing to do with it. it. Can can I still love the person when they don't agree with me? And mm. I think that that's something that we need to have in the country because. We, we want. We feel like our our love is reserved for people who we, who agree with us, and that's the furthest thing from the Bible that I that I read. Yeah, Amen. That's good, and you know I'm glad that sports is a way to do that. Um, I but also, you know, then I I take a step back and go, but it shouldn't take sports, right? <laughs> you know, it shouldn't take sports to bring us together, but you know, it is. That is the one thing I think that everybody will agree on. It does unite people, and and I love um, seeing that and and hearing stories of that. I, we had the the honor um, a while back to interview former coach Bill Curry on, on the podcast, and you know, and that's exactly what he said was when you get in that huddle, you're not looking at that person's skin color. You're not looking at um, what they believe. You know, you're relying on that person on your left and your right to do their job so you can be successful together. And how, you know, we were talking about how we wish that's the way we all approached every day in life. You know, that we, we put aside differences and we realize that no matter what we're doing, whether it's in sports or in the business world or at home, it doesn't matter you know, we put aside our differences and we move forward. That's good. That's right. So let me ask you this. Is there a um, a favorite scripture that you have that you've had since a childhood? You know, people say they have a life verse. Or is there one that maybe God's using in your life right now that you would share to um, encourage listeners? Yes. Uh, can I can I give you two if I, if I shorten it? Absolutely, man. Okay, so the first one has been the verse that I've stood on uh, for years, and that's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. And it said, but by his grace, I am what I am, and his grace to me is now without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. And I love that verse um, that Paul wrote simply because it shows, um, I feel like it shows life of how a Christian should be in one verse. And it shows the acknowledgement between who God is, what I have to do, but also understanding where everything I do comes from and saying, but by his grace, I am what I am. And so only because God gave me something I didn't deserve that I'm able to be who I am, do what I do and be where I'm at. Um, and it's, and you can't look at my life and, and not see that. And his grace is not that effect. And said, but no, like I worked harder than all of them. I don't, and, I, and I knew Paul was saying like, like, don't get it misunderstood. Like, I, I study my word to show myself approved. Like, I work, I do my best to, to serve God. So, like, don't, don't, don't get it misunderstood. I worked hard on all of them. But then he backtracks and makes sure that 
he understands that he's not getting ahead of myself. He said, but yet not I. It was the grace of God that was with me. And so for me, God has always spoke that to me as a saying that, and it's almost like a sandwich, that I'm God's on the outside, God's on the outside, and your work is in the middle. Never let what you do come outside of what God does. That I'm, I should be covering both sides of what you do and make sure that you do your part in between. That I will provide before in front of you and I will protect you behind you. You just need to walk in the middle. And so that's the verse that has stuck with me. But now the verse that God has used me is Galatians 1.15. And he says, um, but even before I was born, God chose me, mm. and called me and called me by my marvelous grace. And that was big for me from just um, answering my call into ministry and from doing things like that. A lot of times, you know, we can allow uh, Satan to really just tempt us into thinking that we're not good enough or we're not worthy and we're not, um, that we might have too much of a, bad past or too much of a history to be used by God. And, 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 and what we forget is that God sees the beginning from the end. And that simply that God knew everything we would do, everything we would be and every mistake we would make. And he still chose us. Mm. He still chose to love us. He still chose to call us. And so because of that, that's, that's the verse that God has really been stirring in my spirit is that even before I was born, you know, a lot of times we have, and I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to get too far into that, but a lot of times we have this, this thought and this notion that, God, that God creates solutions as we create problems, but that's just not the case. God created solutions before we ever created a problem. Mm. And so with that, we should, we have to, that's what, it gives me solace in hearing, oh, okay, that even before I was born, before I was started, before I was conceived, before I, before I touched this earth, God said, I want you. And I know you don't know what you'll do, but I know what you'll do, and I still see you fit. So let's go. And uh, that those, those are two verses that have really been um, working working in me. Man, that's a good reminder, though, that, yeah, I mean, number one, I mean, yeah, God loved you and me so much that he does. I mean, yes. you said in the very beginning, he allows us to be a son or a daughter, not a cousin or grandson or granddaughter. Yeah. I mean, we're we're chosen by him and but so often I think we, we know that, but we don't fully grasp that, that he loves us that much. And if we just understand that and just rest in the fact that God loves you and God loves me the same, he doesn't love you more than me, you know, and there's nothing, yeah. and there's nothing I can do to make him love me less. But on the flip side, there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. So God loves me just the way he created me. And if we just, I think if we just understand that, um, we would approach everything we do um, so so different. So that's that's a great reminder. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you. And I think we could probably go on a a whole another episode just on that. So I'll I'll stop there before we go too far. But you yeah, know, please, and, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I had a couple more questions. I think on the outline that kind of skipped over, but I just think that's a great a great place to to kind of put a bow on this and just, you know, encourage everybody just to rest in the fact that God, God loves each of us. And, uh, man, I appreciate your time today. I know, um, I I know, uh, you know, time is valuable, so I I appreciate your, your time and I appreciate you being willing to, to jump on here and share your story, um, enthusiastically. And I know I've been encouraged from the time we talked on the phone and then even recording this just by your, um, your approach to all the different aspects of your 
your athletic career um, and the different obstacles you faced, how you stayed true to um, true to to following Christ and wanting what's what's best, what He wants for you. So I appreciate you sharing your story. I appreciate you for just giving me the opportunity and, and a platform just to fellowship and talk and, and uh, share the, share my testimony. Amen. Wow, what an incredible time to just be encouraged by Matt's story. His journey um, is full of obstacles, which each time he overcame, whether it was his recruitment, um, dealing with pride in that, um, transferring multiple times, bad knee injuries, but all the while staying connected to Jesus and and overcoming each one of those. Um, I know I was encouraged um, by the conversation with Matt, and I just hope you got a glimpse into his story. Just a powerful young man, someone I believe God is using mightily in the Houston area um, as he's involved in mentoring young men in the schools. He's launching a podcast this month called The Salt, where they're just going to talk about different theological topics to encourage you and me to draw closer to Christ and, and encourage us in our daily walk. We talked a lot of sports. Um, just an incredible journey he had. But most of all, I was just really blown away by um, talking about his favorite scripture, about just the grace of God. And in Galatians 1.15, where it says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, and he who called me by his grace, just a reminder that God knew you and me before we were born, and he loved us before we were even born. He's called us by name. He knows your name. He knows my name. And by his grace, can we have that relationship with him? I hope and I pray that that encouraged you. I hope that you will share this episode with someone that um, needs to be encouraged with a family member, a a friend who um, just loves sports, loves Jesus, or someone who you want to hear about Jesus. I think this story would be an incredible opportunity to share with uh, someone who who may be seeking or going through a tough time. Um, And as always, we love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Send us a message. Find out any and everything about our organization, opportunities to pray for us, serve with us, and to give. Um, Our Facebook page stays up to date. Just type in All In Sports Outreach. You can um, see pictures of different events we have, upcoming events, links to podcast and different things we have coming again, just opportunities to to pray for us, to serve with us, and also to give. We really appreciate each one of you that faithfully listen to this podcast and share it with others. And if you're a first-time listener, I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. I think you will find a lot of encouragement in hearing these these stories of uh, mostly from coaches or former athletes, but also some of some of our organizational leaders, and hear the story of of why they're involved in sports outreach. The last thing I'm going to ask you is a huge favor: is if this episode encouraged you, would you go to iTunes, leave us a review? The more reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing the name of Jesus through media. Thank you.